0: We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2 this morning um, of the story of the wise men. Uh, once again, if you're a guest, welcome, we're glad you're here. If you need a Bible, there's some hardback black ones there and the chairs around you. you can grab one of those. If you're online, welcome. I know many of you might be tuning in from home or from other families' homes or other cities and so we're glad you're here with us as well. Um, so there was uh, an art contest um, in a school, a local school there in East Texas one Christmas. And um, one of the prize winners of the drawing contest was a picture drawn by a nine-year-old boy showing three men offering gifts to the baby in the manger. And uh, what was unique about the picture, though, was how the gift givers arrived on the scene. Uh, next to the stable, there was parked a beautiful red fire truck. And so, uh, the principal went to the little boy and he said, why, why did you draw a fire truck in the manger scene? And the little boy quickly replied, well, the Bible says the wise men came from afar. That's a really bad East Texas accent, but that's the best I got for you, okay? So, um, so obviously, the details around the wise men's story is a little bit cloudy at times. We don't have all of it. Sometimes we have to, like, answer some questions we can't really figure out, but one thing is very clear from God's word is why they came, all right? And we want to look at that today and let that be a lesson for us in how we can approach the king of Christmas as well uh, as we come into his presence today together as a church family. And so um, what the wise men understood and the reason they came was the same reason we're coming before him today is that God came down to be the king of our hearts, when God came down and the person of Jesus was born as a baby, he came to be king. And not just king of the world, not just king of the universe, but king of our hearts. And we want to learn, we want to press into that in, in this morning as well. So go ahead and look at verse 1 with me in chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose... And have come to worship Him. First lesson from the wise men this morning. Point number one: seek the King fervently. Seek the King fervently. It starts off and it says, after Jesus was born. Now we don't know exactly how long this was after He was born. It doesn't tell us precisely, um, but it probably wasn't like the night. Right? They probably didn't show up at the manger. Uh, It was probably months or maybe even years after Jesus was born because we know later on Herod talks to them about when they first saw the star, and from that he kind of gets a two-year time period that he kind of zeroes in on. So it could be anywhere up to two years after Jesus was actually born that they show up on the scene. Plus, they came from a long distance, so it would have taken them quite a while to get there. Um, And so sometime they arrive after Jesus was born, and it says, behold, wise men from the east came. Now, it calls them wise men here in the text, and sometimes we'll have other books or songs or other stories that will call them kings, the three kings, um, and, and we, that's probably not accurate. They probably weren't kings. They may have been part of the royal family from whatever nation they came from. Um, they might have even been like official diplomats coming to pay homage to the new king, um, but what we do know from the text is a couple things. Number one, that they were this kind of a combination of astronomers slash like theologians or philosophers, right they would have studied the stars and and the, the, and the, the, uh, the heavens and all that kind of stuff, and as well as like religious teachings and, and prophecies and kind of how all those things kind of came together and so they were studying these things, and we also know from the details of the Bible that they were quite wealthy from the gifts they brought and the way that they came, like they had some, some substance to them and so just picture this for a second. Think about this. Way there, so back in the east, where they're from, where they live, these were men who were, had high positions, right? They were well-educated. They probably had great respect and honor, probably good, uh, you know, a good amount of, of authority and substantial power in their area. They were, had quite a posh life back in the east. And yet, they chose to travel all this way to Jerusalem, in this particular story. So why would they do that? Why would they make that big, long, grueling, sacrificial journey to Jerusalem? It's because they were motivated. They had been studying, they had been waiting for years this, for this prophecy to be, f- be fulfilled, and they did not want to miss the promised king when he showed up. And so they, show, they, they travel all the way to Jerusalem and then they ask this question, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So we know from that they were looking for a specific person. Like they they knew exactly who they were coming for. They were looking for the newborn king. And they say, Where is he? For we saw his star. Wait, what? He's got his own star? this king has his own star bro like that's like that's next level king right there right his own star his own prophecy like this was a big deal this is why they made the journey and they even say we saw his star and we have come to worship him now just to be fair The word worship there is is probably not quite what we necessarily think of when we use the word worship. Most likely, in their minds, they were coming to pay honor, to pay tribute, to pay homage to this new earthly king that they were waiting for. They didn't really understand fully what was going on yet. But in this moment, through the Holy Spirit, they spoke better than they knew. See, they came seeking an earthly king, but they are going to meet the king of heaven. And it's going to change their lives, because God himself had come to earth, and they were seeking him fervently. A few years back uh, for Christmas, um, the kind of big surprise gift that we got for our girls that year was a trampoline. And so we got the trampoline, and we stayed up Christmas Eve night, and we're putting the thing together, and it's really cold, and we're outside doing the whole thing, we finally get it into the backyard and get it all set up, because we wanted it to be like this big surprise reveal on Christmas morning and to kind of build it up a little bit we made a little scavenger hunt throughout the house and the girls had to follow all the clues to finally get to the present so they were fervently searching throughout all the house looking for the clues and going from one clue to the next and they finally end up on the back deck where they have a full view of the trampoline and yet they were so engrossed in the fervent search for the next clue that they almost missed the giant present right in front of their faces But as excited as they were to search for it, once they realized what it was, they were even more excited by the magnitude of the gift. That's the way it works with Jesus. When we seek the King fervently, with a sincere heart, with a faith-filled heart, we always find even more than we were expecting the blessing, the favor, the grace, the love, we experience even more of the goodness of Jesus than we even could imagine when we started searching. And that's what the wise men got too. And So the first lesson we learn here is seek the king fervently and he will fill your heart afresh. Some of us have been followers of Jesus for a long time, right? This is not our first Christmas worshiping Jesus, But even now, whether this is your first year with Jesus, or whether this is your hundredth time around around that circle, if we continue to seek Him fervently with hearts of faith, He will fill us afresh with His glory and His presence. And so we come to worship the King this morning. And if you are new on that journey, if you're maybe just still trying to figure out who Jesus is, man, we welcome that too. And we hope that you find Him to worship the King this morning with us. There's more though. Let's go ahead and on to verse 3. The story continues. It says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler humbly receive the king humbly it says that when Herod heard their question where's the new king that he was troubled right he he didn't like the sound of that question at all because Herod was the king he didn't want a new king he wanted to stay king he wanted to stay on the throne and so when he hears this he starts to try to figure out what's going on and he inquired it says where the Christ was to be born Which is easy to miss if if you've heard, if you read the story a lot, you might, this might be something we kind of just glaze over, but notice the word he uses there, where the Christ was to be born. A lot of times we talk about Jesus Christ like it's his last name, it's not. Uh, Christ is actually a title, and it's just another word for Messiah. So Herod is asking, hey, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? You see, he knew the prophecy. He knew who it was the wise men were seeking. He knew exactly who this king was that was supposed to be coming. He knew this was no ordinary king. This was God's Messiah that was coming to save his people. And yet, he still refused him. He still didn't want to give up his throne, even to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. In fact, later on in the story, he tries to get the wise men to do some recon for him so he can then go and kill the new king so he can retain his throne. Not only does he refuse to receive him, he actually plans to execute him in the process. But he does get the information from the Jewish leaders, and he tells the wise men, hey, he's in Bethlehem. In in Bethlehem. Now, that might be, again, that might be lost on us, because right now they're in Jerusalem. They're in, like, the capital. They're in the big city. Bethlehem was this small podunk town in the middle of nowhere that nobody cared about, right? Little shepherd's town. Not the typical birthplace for a king. And upon hearing this news, it would have been easy for the wise men, these big, important guys who had made this big, long journey, to get discouraged or doubtful or even frustrated. Like, seriously? We came all this way for some little Bethlehem kid? Like that's that doesn't track. Right? That's that's not what they were thinking. That's not how they were thinking this was gonna go. But the text gives no indication of that. It just says that they went on their way and the star went before them. See, I think in this moment the the wise men would have been easy for them to get all frustrated, but they didn't. They didn't get caught up in their own pride. They didn't get caught up in their own self-worth. They didn't get caught up in their expectations of what Jesus should or shouldn't be. They just humbly kept seeking the king. And so they come rolling into tiny little Bethlehem and their big flashy entourage. But more importantly, they came in with humble hearts ready to receive the king that was promised. I was thinking this week about this, and do you remember? Um, remember when you were in school? Some of you are still in school, but for those of us who have maybe been a little while, um, remember back when you were in school and you were in gym class, and the gym teacher had to had to divide everybody up into teams, right? And he'd just be like, "All right, everybody line up, and remember your number." You guys remember this, right? Remember your number. One, two, one, two. You know what I'm talking about, right? And what was always funny to me is like if you look further down the line, you would see kids doing what, right? They'd be like. They'd be like switching spots, like trying to like match up with their friend. Right? I want to be the same number as them. So like we're like moving around, kind of getting in the spot. They had to match. Well, the wise men, they had to match with Jesus for this to work. You see, Jesus, he came down in humility. This was God of the universe becoming a human. Not just any human. He was coming down and being born as a baby. To a poor family in a little podunk town, laying in an animal's feeding trough. He came in humility. And if the wise men wanted to see him, if they wanted to seek him, if they wanted to worship him, they had to match him. They had to be willing to humble themselves. To find him. To come into his presence. To receive him. Him. likewise we have to humble ourselves if we're going to receive the king he's the king we need to remember who it is that we are celebrating and worshiping yes he was born as a baby in a manger but he's still the king and so we have to humbly receive him so to receive the humble king, cultivate a humble heart. It's not about me. It's not about what I want or what I expect or what it, I think it should look like. It's about coming in with a humble heart and allowing Jesus to do and be the king of my life, of my heart. So seek him fervently, receive him humbly. And then the third thing, the last thing we learned today from the, uh, the wise men is this. Look at verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Last thing we learn here, number three, worship the king exceedingly. I love in verse 10, it says, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, maybe that was just because this, they finally made it. like This is the end of that long, long road trip, right? And you're like, finally, we're here. But I think it was more than that. And I want you to imagine for a moment these dignified, highly educated, well-dressed, rich diplomats jumping off their camels and dancing around in the dirt streets of Bethlehem, right? They're singing and they're clapping and they're shouting and like, we finally found him. This is it. It was probably quite the spectacle and definitely outside of their normal behavior. But they didn't care. They didn't care. They had found him. They'd finally found the promised king. And it says they went into the house and they saw the child. Child means toddler. Remember, he's like two years or younger. He's still fumbling around in his diaper. And immediately they fell down and worshipped him. Grown men in their best clothes, falling on their knees in the dirt, faces to the ground. You see, it didn't matter what state he was in. It didn't matter how old he was or what he looked like. He was the king. And he was worthy of their worship. and says opening their treasures they offered him gifts and not just any gifts gold frankincense and myrrh which again for us only one of those really makes sense we don't even know what the other two are but but I'll tell you this they are gifts that are fit for a king right they're not gifts that fit a lowly carpenter's family like these gifts far exceeded Joseph and Mary's station in life do you understand like this was way more than they had ever had. These gifts would have seemed extremely extravagant and excessive in this situation. But it didn't matter. The wise men gave them because they weren't giving because they saw some specific need they were trying to meet. They didn't give because they thought, man, this family is going to really be something, they're going to be successful and we want to be a part of that. They didn't give because they needed some favor back or because they were trying to earn something. They gave because He was worthy of all they had to give and so much more. They gave as an act of worship to the worthy King. And they worshipped exceedingly with great joy. There was a pastor, an American pastor, back in the early 1900s, and I found this quote. His name's Roy Smith. He said this He who has not Christmas in his heart will never find it under a tree. See, Christmas is first and foremost about worshiping the one who is worthy, it's about making the king of Christmas the king of my heart. And worshiping Him. And that's what fills everything else with meaning and worth and joy and hope and all the things that we love at Christmas. And so, what I see most from the wise men this morning is this. Worship the King of Christmas as the King of your heart. That's where it's at. If we get that right, everything else falls into place. And so I want us to do that as we close out this morning, just to take some time here to worship the King of Christmas. And again, maybe this is your first time as a follower of Christ doing that. If you got saved this last year, maybe you're still figuring things out. Maybe you have, you're not committed to following Jesus yet, but you're here today. and You still have an opportunity to worship the one who is worthy. Or maybe you've been doing this for generations. But regardless, let's afresh come and worship the King of Christmas and let him fill our hearts this morning as we gather together. Stand with me. Let's pray and let's respond. Heavenly Father, we praise you today. We thank you, God, for sending down your son to be our King of Christmas, to reign in our hearts, to bring us back to you, to make us part of the family, Lord. We are so grateful. And we come into your presence this morning. We come into the presence of the King because He is worthy of our worship, because He is worthy of our praise, because He is worthy of all that we have to give. And So this morning, as we gather together this Christmas morning, we declare once again that you Are worthy. You are worthy of it all. I pray all of this in the beautiful name of our Savior King Jesus Christ.